You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome in. It's the Lions 24-7 podcast, post-game edition. He is Sean Fitz. I am Tyler Donahue. If you're listening to us, we appreciate that. If you're watching us on YouTube over at the Lions 24-7 channel, thanks a lot. encourage you to subscribe over there. Moving forward, we got a lot to talk about here. Penn State 2-0. They did it in a very, very impressive fashion, 44-13. And I say very impressive because you kind of had that in the back of your head. Could this be a trap game? The question was asked this week by a few people. Sean, neither of us thought that would be the case, but I wasn't quite ready to rule it out for this Penn State team. We're getting to learn a lot about them. They passed a milestone today. They built a 17-3 lead, three uh, scoring on each of their first three possessions. They're up 24-6 at halftime, and they cruise ultimately to a 44-13 victory. You, you never know what's going to happen with these MAC teams. I mean, we, we were talking before we went on the air. Penn State trailed to Buffalo a couple of years ago, 10-7 at halftime. So, you know, you've, you're, you're, your opponent is overmatched, typically. Uh, you, you're more athletic than them. You're bigger than them. But you can still fall into those traps and fall into holes. And, and Penn State today, I mean, this is probably, and you said it before we went on the air, as cut and dry as a, of a win as we can really remember against a, you know, against a, a division one opponent. So really impressed uh, with how they came out of the gates. Now there's just stuff to work on. There's plenty to gripe about. I'm sure we'll get to it at some point, but he, he, they really set the tone three and out on defense came right back down, scored another three and out uh, came right back down there and scored. And it looked like it might just roll up. I mean, I, I said it in my prediction the other day uh, on the site, I wasn't crazy about predicting 40, 41 points. I think it was, uh, for Penn State, but they they got there and they looked like they got there fairly easy. Probably sh- should have been more points on the board, but uh, yeah, did what they had to do against a, a Ball State team that was solid. You know, we we threw the MAC championship around a lot last week uh, or this past week. Um, they were they were a solid MAC team, but I don't I don't know that that's a, a team that's going to really put a scare into a team that's as fast and athletic as Penn State. It's just two clearly different squads on the field today. Yeah, and I mentioned a few times during the week as well, a team that carried an eight-game win streak. I think that was more to just illustrate a lot of experienced players who were part of a very successful run last year. And even though they were going into an environment at Beaver Stadium, which was tremendous, it was so awesome to see uh, the crowd, uh, all the pageantry that comes with the Penn State game, the pregame stuff, halftime stuff, particularly today on 9-11. There was just a lot of energy uh, in that entire building and outside of the building today. And Penn State clearly w- was fueled by that. Um, but but this was a Ball State team that you thought maybe out of anyone coming your way from the MAC, they would be equipped to, to deal with that because uh, yeah, they played in a bowl game last year. They won seven straight games, and, and you thought they had some veteran presence there. But it really didn't show up in any kind of notable way. Penn State marched down the field on each of its first two possessions, 70-plus yards both times long drives too. these weren't just big explosive plays this was also the tone setter for penn state and the way they attacked efficiently and often through the air but at the end of the day going for 230 plus rushing yards as well and while you're getting those touchdowns early and you get a jordan stout field goal to give you 17 points with those first three possessions you said it uh, a couple three and outs the first three and out time of possession was less than 30 seconds and that was another really good theme today for penn state getting the defense off the field and having by the end of this thing, guys be able to sit down, enjoy the show, watch their teammates succeed because 
a lot of snaps on the defensive side of the football for some really important players in week one at Wisconsin. So after 95 snaps last week, you got P.J. Mustafer with one tackle this week. Uh, we did not see much of Jaquan Brisker. He was out there early, and then they kind of pulled him back, which given what he went through last week with the injuries and, and trying to keep him fresh for next week, I think it's a it's a good idea to get guys like Jair Brown more snaps, Jonathan Sutherland more snaps, Ty, uh, Tyler Rudolph, who was ejected eventually for for targeting, got some more snaps. Even Jalen Reed got some snaps at safety. So uh, you just look all over the place and, and getting those guys and getting the, the young guys into the game was was clearly something that they had their eyes on. It was just the path to get there. You, you, you know, you had to get to a certain point before you were able to put those guys in the game. And to their credit, I mean, I, I, I'm struggling to remember a game where they just came out and dictated like this. I mean, like I said, that that first three and out, nothing was even close. They he, uh, Drew Plitt, who's, a, who's an experienced quarterback in the MAC, he's had a, a lot of success there, threw the first ball a couple rows into the recruits section. I mean, that, that I think that's Caden Saunders might have come down with that one, Sean. That, yeah, that's my tweet. Thanks. Um, oh, but uh, it, I, yeah, I actually it was, did not see that. I'm sorry. It, well, it must have been a good tweet. Um, no, it was just uh, – it was a lot of that. It was a lot of Penn State being too athletic and, and too you know, just to overmatch Ball State, which, you know, like I said, I a lot of credit to Ball State, uh, you know, good, solid MAC team, but uh, that's what Penn State needs to do. That's what they're supposed to do in this situation, and we've seen MAC teams uh, upset a lot of uh, a lot of Power 5 schools. So uh, credit to Penn State for coming out doing what they needed to do. Like I said, there's – there's still a bunch to clean up and uh, you know, Auburn's certainly looming large in a week, but uh, I mean, you just never felt pressured in this one. A few years ago, this team when you know, 11 wins, 11 wins Rose bowl. You, you expected this kind of performance, but this is a Penn state team that we you know they're, they're essentially a mystery going into this year. It could have gone either way uh, with how that game played out at Wisconsin. They had some tremendous defensive efforts. They didn't turn the ball over. Wisconsin did. They come home one and zero. But you still wonder, how are they going to react to that home environment? Is that energy going to fuel them? Is that energy going to trip them up coming out of the gates? Are they going to be able to sustain it and put together 60 minutes of football and not get caught up in, in, in emotions and everything? And they did a great job in, in that regard for the most part. But I think what was really impressive about this for Penn State was the way they came out and, and offensively showed a lot of different things and and peeled back the curtain a bit and give you maybe a roadmap for the next 10 weeks on saying, hold up, you may not have any idea what this Penn State offensive attack is going to look like come mid to late October when you need to see this team starting to hit its peak. I mean, I, I'm looking forward to just looking at the first drive because they were in, in different formations and different personnel groups using motion, under center, shotgun, just all over the place. Um, and it was fun, you know, it was fun, fun to kind of try and keep up with it because they were, they were gone and they, you know, they wanted to use that tempo and get where they needed to be. They did that. They, they're doing certain things that you kind of, as a Penn State fan over the last couple of years, kind of tore your hair out about like not floating a bat back into the flat as a safety, uh, a safety valve, things as simple as that. You had uh, six catches for 60 yards among the backs today. I mean, that's, that's putting yourself in a position to set yourself up for the next thing. Now, the, now what was interesting to me, the big plays were not there today. The big plays, you, Ball State sitting their safeties back saying, if you're going to beat us, you're going to have to run around us, not not run past us and uh, you know over then throw over top of us. Uh, Penn State eventually did run around them with uh, with Jahan Dotson scoring a touchdown on the screen on a screenplay. 
but uh, they just sat back and and didn't want to get beat over top. Penn State, I think, only went over top two or three times and was unsuccessful in doing so. So that shows to me that you you can grow in this offense a little bit. You can make adjustments where you know maybe not everything has to be the the sixty yard bomb or whatever really spurred them to some points last week against Wisconsin. So um, able to establish the run, able to do some some different things that you did last week when you had success against a really good Wisconsin front. Um, didn't quite impose their will, if you will, as much on uh, on Ball State, but only threw it eight times in the second half. So they did try to get that running game going. As you mentioned earlier, a lot of things that they seem to be working on on the fly. You know, it's just kind of trying to get the running game going, trying to get some different looks and and trying to improve your team instead of just scoring points. And I know points are, at the at the end of the day, points are what matters. Um, but you're setting yourself up for the long term by trying to run so, some of these things and drill some of these things into your team. And you avoid any uh, is this a team that starts slow kind of talk because that happened last week. If, if you come out the gates here and you punt on four of your first five possessions and you look like you're sleepwalking to get on offense, people start asking questions. Mike Yersich answered the bell. Sean Clifford, this offense, they were ready to roll. And, you know, something that we talked about going into this matchup was would we see a bounce back performance from the rushing attack? Um you're right. I, they weren't able to just get, get north-south in this game and assert themselves in that way. But the way Ball State approached them, uh, particularly in the past game, it was, hey, we dare you to beat us in the open space. And unfortunately for Ball State, they needed to have an elite-level tackling game. And with Penn State's, there's just too many slippery athletes in the field. I mean, we saw even Kevon Lee, which I don't think is what you'd prefer him to do in a lot of Big Ten games, but bouncing it outside, and it paid off for him. In this case, it didn't pay off for him against Wisconsin, but against these Ball State defensive backs and linebackers, you saw him getting free for 10, 12 yards on plays that maybe should have been four or five yards instead. Um, and same deal with Jahan Dotson in the open field. Parker Washington made some people miss, and, and that was just a consistent theme. Even Sean Clifford got out when he gets in the open field, and he's searching like that you realize just how impressive Sean Clifford is as an athlete when he's on a group of five uh you know on on a group of five playing field when you got 11 guys at that level trying to chase him down I feel like and I'm trying to f- figure out the right way to say this a lot of east west today a lot of trying Absolutely. to run around guys um and that that's not a concern but like you get to some better defenses that can fly around a little bit you're probably not going to be able to do that you mentioned Kevon Lee when he came out in the second half, just uh, run, 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 first down, first down, first down, um, really having some success getting forward as we're so used to seeing. He ended up with eight carries for 68 yards, uh, eight and a half yards per carry. Pretty darn good for uh, for slow potting back that we've uh, we've labeled him as. Noah Kane carried 20 times, which actually that, that number surprised me. I don't remember him carrying 20 times, mm-hmm. uh, but for just 69 yards, did not have a carry uh, over 10 yards. That's actually a little bit surprising as well mm-hmm. did get the touchdown and you mentioned Clifford's 43 yard run got him uh, you know in, in position for those 66 yards uh, so the running game good um, I'll say the the yardage number was surprising um, in terms of 240 didn't seem like 240 but they had a, a couple of chunks in there especially with the Clifford run um, but uh, yeah again not as much space as you would have hoped for Ball State, but they made the most of it. They did a, did a pretty good job. Um, and as that offensive line continues to try and come together, we only saw Eric Wilson today um, when the game was in doubt at left guard. Didn't see Anthony Wigan at all. So as that continues to come along, maybe maybe you get some make some strides in that area. But uh, 
that's one that was, like I said, kind of surprising the run game. Um, the offensive line still plenty to work on. We knew that was going to be the case regardless of who was in that left guard spot. Uh, but yeah, you come away from it feeling pretty good. 490 yards of total offense. Um, and when you can be that split, uh, split down the middle is pretty good. 6.2 yards per play for this team, 240 yards on the ground, 253 yards uh, through the air. No turnovers again. That's a big one. Uh, continue to kind of hammer home that point. I know it's uh, not up there with explosive plays um, and, and, and one of those numbers that you gravitate towards. But, I mean, the turnover battle is is so vitally important. It, uh, what I should have said is it is up with explosive plays. Uh, those okay. two things. Yeah. You, those have, are the, you have me worried there for a second. No, those are the two <laughs> things that Franklin says is at the foundation of determining who's going to win a game. And today you didn't get those explosive plays, but neither did Ball State. And, and for a turnover department, you had the two to nothing advantage. After a week, you had a three to nothing advantage. We'll talk about those turnovers in a second because that's where Penn State really buried Ball State in the third quarter with some big defensive plays. Um, but but going back to Kevon Lee, you talked about Noah Kane as a receiver, three catches for 30 yards. He ends up with 99 total yards. Not his most efficient day on the ground, to your point. And and uh, and he'll have he'll certainly improve upon that 3.5 average in most games. But Kevon Lee, he had that wheel route, really nice throw from Sean Clifford. Again, just the guy who was just on a different level as an athlete running down the field against this ball state defense, you know, hauled that pass in. And, and today, Kevon Lee, really nice performance. I think he kind of uh, typifies the bounce back for the ground game because Devin Ford, you know, six carries, 32 yards, still don't necessarily, I think you still see separation from the top two guys and, and the next guy at running back, which is Devin Ford. But Kevon Lee, he can make plays like that in the open field, show off this athleticism we've talked about. Um, and you got two running backs going over 90 yards uh, offensively run as a runner, as a receiver that you're starting to look at a lot of balance here. And I think it was Mark Brennan who pointed out in a preseason conversation that that was one area of this offense where it feels like your could maybe elevate is getting the talent in this running back room, maximizing it by lending itself to the pass game. And we saw a little bit more this week in terms of two back sets. Um, there were a couple, a couple guys in the game at the same time, Kevon Lee, his best, uh, play of the day i think was that wheel route for 24 yards which mm -hmm. i'll be honest with you i did not really see a, a wheel route to Kevon lee being a successful vessel for for penn state but here we are I, I actually looked to see if that was his first career catch and i looked and found out he had 12 last year which he surprised did. me as well so yeah um but yeah it was it was, it was good to see that and, and speaking of the passing game just all over the place in a good way and we, we, we've said a lot about penn state's <laughs> yeah. passing game um in the past year but uh, yeah, they, they they spread the ball around ten different receivers twenty for for twenty two catches. Parker Washington leading the way with six catches, fifty seven yards. Jahan Dotson five catches, sixty five yards, and a twenty five yard touchdown. Did a nice job spreading that around. As I mentioned earlier, Noah Kane uh, really seems to be coming into his own as a receiver. Got the tight ends a little bit more involved this week. We knew that would be the case. Theo Johnson caught his first uh, career touchdown pass. From your boy, uh, take one Roberson, who did get in the game for the last, uh, I think, five and a half minutes. First completion, first touchdown. They were able to get him some some action out there late. Um, and I, Sean Clifford kind of you know was was throwing it back to his redshirt freshman year. I think it was on the road at, at Pitt. Nasty night there in Pittsburgh. Penn State was putting it on the Panthers. He got in late in, in some relief uh, of Trace McSorley with Tommy Stevens out injured. I think he threw a touchdown on on his first completion. So uh, you know he was kind of recollect, recollecting on that. He was proud to take Juan Roberson. Um, 
I, I am certain that two weeks from now, um, it, when Villanova comes to town, you would love to get Taquan Roberson a lot more work than that. I think they got him in there with under seven minutes remaining in this game. Um, but hits Theo Johnson. Let's not underrate Theo's moment there too. Uh, his first career touchdown. I think he's going to have many as his career goes on. Sean Clifford actually brought up Mike Gesicki when talking about Theo Johnson in terms of his ability to, to go up and make it plays that you're not supposed to be able to make um, in traffic. And we haven't had a chance to see a lot of that in the from Theo. We haven't seen as that, that much tight end usage. Maybe that changes next week. Um, but to, to your point, certainly more than last week against Wisconsin and the, the targets were all over the place. You saw Keandre Lambert Smith involved just a bit uh, Cam Sullivan Brown as well. But how about this? Marquise Wilson hits the ground running as a, as a wide receiver and a cornerback. We didn't see him against Wisconsin. We see him on both sides of the ball this time around uh, first career catch, a, a modest three-yard gain, but as he would say after the game, one of the biggest moments of his career, being able to to make that first college catch and then see him making a tackle over at cornerback, getting some significant work in the defensive secondary. And according to James Franklin after the game, no one has played on both sides of the ball for Penn State like that since Justin King. And a great moment for Marquise Wilson and a kid that I've said back since we talked about this possibility I think he can be a game changer, even if you get the ball in his hands once, twice, maybe three times a game. Yeah, I mean that's uh, it's the guy that that changed the game as a true freshman as a defensive back. But uh, we'll see what happens. I, I know some guys are high on him in the in the building in terms of what he can do. Gives you a little bit something different, uh, or something a little bit different. Sorry, it's fairly late here, uh, but something a little bit different than the rest of those receivers got out there and and got into some space. I we knew he was going to play this week. We didn't know he was going to play on both sides. That's pretty impressive to come out and do that and, and play some regular snaps, not just playing one or two snaps here. So um, that that was you know pretty cool to see that catch for Cam Sullivan Brown. I uh, don't know that Clifford gets away with that throw against a, a bigger bigger time opponent. Uh, but Sullivan Brown with a very nice catch as, you know, we've grown, we've grown accustomed to him uh, being fairly reliable. Um, and uh, yeah, so that, I think that's where, that's where you start. Clifford uh, up and down, um, you know, came out very hot, uh, cooled down eventually, but uh, still a couple of things showing up that, you know, could affect his mechanics with, with happy feet and stuff like that. But when he's confident, when he's going, that that's what you're going to see. You're going to see what you saw, saw today. Uh, so pleased with that development. Uh, still some some work to be done there. But uh, I also liked while we're on Clifford how how Penn State used its quarterback run this week. Um, it was much more efficient. It was much more, uh, or, or it kept the quarterbacks out of danger. Clifford was pretty much the only one that ran, but kept the quarterbacks away from hits and things like that. He picked up that forty three yard run. Um, so like what I saw there, um, and it's, you, you see, you see some of the evolution on the surface of this offense, just kind of figuring out what they are, figuring out how much they can get away with, which is all, oftentimes going to tell you what you are. Um, and I, and I think that's a, a pretty cool thing to watch on the fly here as they continue to go. I also found it interesting. Sean Clifford said afterward that, uh, Yursich is going to be all over the place. He's not going to just going to be a guy that runs inside zone and RPO, which, they got rid of a guy that runs a lot of inside zone and RPO last year. So I don't think that was meant as a shot, but it uh, was certainly an eyebrow raiser. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that offense continues to come along. Like I said, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to taking a look at that first drive and seeing where Penn State uh, really changed some things up and got some things going because it certainly worked early. 
Sean Clifford now uh, the 10th quarterback in Penn State history to hit the 5,000 passing yards mark uh, during this current six-game win streak for Penn State. Ten total touchdowns, two interceptions. The stat line today for Clifford, 21 of 29, 230 yards, one passing touchdown, one rushing touchdown, 66 total yards on the ground for him with that 43-yard as a long. And something else that's that's here to stay aside from the unpredictability apparently uh, in this offense with Mike Yersich on a week-to-week basis is the under the center stuff. Uh, we saw it early and, and James Franklin joked that, you know, all the excitement about it was already worn off by the time they used it on a goal line situation. We saw a quarterback sneak from under center where it was just the niftiest thing. Sean Clifford extended his arms. He dove forward and he was in the goal line just like that. It was a touchdown. And then earlier, first snap of the game from under center. And Sean says, you know, Sean kind of, <laughs> Sean liked that we were so interested in it. And, and so did James Franklin, but, I, they're having fun. They're, they're, you can clearly see that that this, you know, Franklin's letting this offense take its shape. Um, he's letting Mike Yursich be the mad scientist that we understand him to be. And Sean Clifford is is sh- sitting shotgun in this journey. And and through two games, steadily, we're getting a little bit more and more. And again, I, I, your curiosity certainly starts to, to creep up here. They, they seem more relaxed, right? I mean, that, yeah. That's oh, absolutely. Talking to players, coaches, and things like that, and and winning helps. Let's not be, you know, let's be honest. <laughs> two and zero is nice. Yes, two, two and zero is it, it makes you much more relaxed, uh, especially going into next weekend. Um, but yeah, when you're more relaxed, you're more confident. When you're more confident, you're making plays, and when you're making plays, you find yourself up three scores and uh, fairly early in the game. So that was uh, that was impressive for Penn State to come out there, and like I said. Be, be what they were supposed to be. I mean, you, you, you just go go to that stadium so often and there's frustration about what, uh, you know, the running game's not go- getting going or there's an early turnover or something of, of that nature or or the, the defense gives up a long touchdown drive to start the game. You, you're not, you didn't see any of that this week. And uh, you got to sort of tip your hat to the uh, the coaching staff for, for getting those guys prepared, getting them ready to go. And uh, while we're on it, defensively, Brent Pry, very, um, very – uh, adamant about bringing pressure early and uh, two, three and outs really set the tone for where Penn State's defense wanted to uh, wanted to dictate uh, what Ball State was able to do in offense. Pressure's been on this year. I mean, I, I think you like the, the aggressive approach there. You're utilizing your athletes. Uh, by the end of this thing, again, it was nice to see the snaps not, not stack up for these guys again after what happened at Wisconsin. But yeah, probably too late to get to the defense because that was our lead and the bulk of the conversation on the first post game show of the year. We talked a lot of offense going into it, but defensively, again, those three and outs set the tone early. You build a cushion like that if you're Penn State, it's going to be very difficult for Ball State to play catch up, even if it's just in the first quarter. It changes what they can do, it changes what you can do. And I thought by the time we got into the third quarter, where it was time, you, you could, you know, you were smelling that blood in the water, but the Penn State's offense hadn't really gone out and, and, and delivered that dagger itself. They, they sputtered a bit. They had some field goals. Jordan Stout missed a field goal at one point. But your defense came up huge. And it was the guy I wrote about yesterday, Jesse Lucetta, and the guy I spoke about with uh, earlier this week on the podcast about how much respect he has garnered in this locker room, learning two positions at a starter's level. And right now I think it's very clear defensive end and we heard from Franklin this is future I think it's what is going to be his biggest impact for this Penn State football program he goes up and stabs a one-handed interception strolls into the end zone 15 yards touchdown that put that game away 31 to 6 and delivered it just an incredibly memorable moment uh for fourth year player Jesse Lucetta 
he said after the game he's he's dropped a couple of those in his career and he he was not letting this one get away. Hmm. Um, but I, I agree with you 100. He was uh, much better on the edge. Uh, did 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 an admirable job f- filling in at the middle uh, for Ellis Brooks, but uh, much better on the edge. Just can can wreak a ton more havoc there and make some plays as you saw today. Um, I, I'm I'm curious to see how how good this defense is um i just i i don't know i think you know i think it can be really good i still think there's strides that need to be made made especially you know at at defensive end where you you were talked about uh and and of course a linebacker which is a little bit thinner than they'd like it to be but they got some guys some more reps today they've got uh, they got elston into the game they got kobe king into the game a bunch of defensive linemen uh fatoma mulba was in there uh, a decent amount. Uh, we're talking like redshirt freshmen. Uh, Some Vilbert Smith in there, and uh, you know, uh, Mean Vanover in there, and guys that you want to start. Yeah. You want to start getting reps on their on their you know ticker at this level yeah, of the it, college game. Like I said, it was good to see that stat sheet and see Mustafer mm-hmm. down at the bottom, uh, Jair Brown, Brisker, all those guys down at the bottom. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a uh, it, it was a nice little. Uh, I, I don't want to call it. You know, I, I don't want to say that they they kind of. Uh, went through the motions or anything like that because they certainly didn't, but that because they were out there and being aggressive. Uh, Curtis Jacobs, I thought, played a really good game, even though he's not really showing up much on the stat sheet that I have in front of me. Three tackle or two tackles um, with with that really good sack. Uh, but he was, I felt like he was all over the place when he was in there. Nick Tarburton played well. Um, I I thought, and Daquan Hardy got the other turnover for Penn State. He's you know he started the season off very strong in the slot. Yeah, they included Daquan Hardy in the starting lineup. I. I think they listed 12 guys I, you know they, they had three linebackers and i think they listed five defensive backs he's their starting nickelback and, and they're going to go to that five defensive back set quite a bit we saw him play a ton at wisconsin and then he comes up with a big interception uh part of that third quarter that was after lucetta scored so that was just kind of twisting the dagger that was already delivered but nice moment for daquan hardy you know jaquan uh james franklin um and, and jaquan brisker and 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 bunch of guys on this team have pointed to him as somebody that had a really strong preseason camp um and, and clear Clearly came out and and it's not an easy cornerback room to win a first team role. He went out and won it. I think he surprised a lot of people on the outside that he did it. And here through two games, you're starting to understand why. Um, I, going back to Curtis Jacobs, the one play that I we talked a little bit about in the press box, not in the stat sheet because he didn't finish the tackle, but and J- Jonathan Sutherland about a half yard later did. He had three guys you know ready to to clean up, but he recovered from a play. And it reminded me a, a little bit of something we used to see with Micah Parsons, where he would work his way out of position by his angle of pursuit. But because of his ability and because of his athleticism, all of a sudden he recovers to make a play that most people will be watching the guy move downfield. Instead, he actually had a chance to make that tackle and should have made that tackle. And that's exactly what I meant going into this game, where I wanted to see a guy like Curtis Jacobs have that clear separation as an athlete, as a playmaker when you're on the field with a group of five opponent, when he's, when he knows what he's doing and is confident that he knows what he's doing, he can go get it done with, with the, with anybody on that side of the field. I mean, he's, he can run um, and he's got football speed, which you certainly like to see. So I'm curious to take another look at that. Like I said, I think that week one to week two, Curtis Jacobs showed up um, not that he was bad in week one, but showed up a little bit more than, than people would have expected. So that was nice to see Um, again, Penn State's so overwhelming at, at certain spots that it was it's tough to take a, a fair evaluation, especially this this soon without seeing the tape. But uh, 
That's a lot of guys on this stat sheet. Uh, Charlie Catcher's there. Oh, Jamari Budden. Uh, that's a guy I wanted to talk about. Got a about. shout out from James Franklin after the he game. Got a shout out from James Franklin for for good reason. His first collegiate play stretches out a jet sweep, uh, takes on a blocker, and makes the tackle for for a short gain. That's phenomenal. I mean, you've got guys that are fifth year seniors that don't uh, don't don't play it that well. So, um, really impressed with uh, the the slight glimpse that we saw of Budden. Uh, a couple other guys got some some debuts today. Harrison Wallace, uh, Trey Wallace on the uh, offensive side of the ball. Uh, was in at receiver. Didn't see Liam Clifford, I don't believe. At least uh, I don't have the participation notes in front of me. Didn't see him. So Trey Wallace getting there first. Didn't did not see Landon Tengwall, which was a little bit surprising. Uh, Penn State went with uh, Bryce Effner uh, playing a yeah. couple different positions. He's the backup center, but he was playing left guard. He was playing right tackle. As we mentioned, no Anthony Wigan. Um, bringing Eric Wilson back in there, which that that tells me. They're a little bit tighter um, in terms of what they want to get out of that offensive line right now. So you're, you're trying to improve that offensive line, the, at least the the top six, seven, maybe eight guys in there so that you can sort of benefit from it uh, on an every down sort of thing instead of just throwing five of those uh, redshirt freshmen out there or something like that. Juice Scruggs, by the way, um, significant time at center. We saw him swap with, with Mike Miranda at, at one point during this game. Spoke with Juice Scruggs after the game on the field, and um, really great to hear. And, and obviously, he was playing this game, so so you figured this was the case. But he felt really good physically coming off of the Wisconsin game when when that's your first start, and everybody knows Juice's story with the back issue, and you're going up against the Badgers. <laughs> that that's a big test, and 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 he passed it, and I think that was important for him. And here he was playing center, playing some guard moving around a bit and and Eric Wilson that's your guy that's your guy at left guard now we saw Bryce Efner get in there as the game wore on but there there was no rotation deal here um and it's gonna be interesting because let's remember he was initially committed to this Auburn squad thought he was going to be part of their offensive line plans coming to Penn State as a visitor that's that's kind of a cool storyline to 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 follow here and and Eric Wilson um from what I hear from from a guy like Juice Scruggs and, and what I heard earlier this week from another player not just reshaping himself to take on this leap going from the Ivy League to Power 5 football, but doing it at, from a physical level too. It's not just uh, getting ready to game speed and, and, and getting ready to a new level of, of opponent. He's shed apparently 20 pounds or so um, since he arrived on campus in May. So a guy that, that took a little bit of time to get himself in that rhythm. They left that left guard spot open, but by the time you got through, what, four, five possessions of your season – pretty clear that Eric Wilson was going to fill that role for you. And I don't think we saw anything to, today that that changes that conversation. That's important. And from another personnel perspective here, just as you're kind of, we're kind of running down things, uh, three more absences uh, that, that we, we saw in week one, no Keaton Ellis at safety, no John Lovett at running back, no Akeem Beeman on the defensive line. All three players were on the field with this team. All three players, when this team got in pads, they stayed in jerseys and sweatpants. Neither of the, None of them traveled to Wisconsin. Again, all three we thought could be significant factors for this team, maybe starters, two deep guys, but certainly involved. Um, in each case, we don't have an answer for you. Might get asked again this week, but uh, 0 for 2 in seeing these guys in pads for Penn State. And this could have been a, a really good game for Keaton Ellis, I think, especially out of those three. Um, still learning the position, get yourself some some experience back there, and and given how it played out with Brisker, where they weren't trying to use him all that much, you know that's a that's a that's a lot of reps that you missed out on. So um, it's hard to say where he fits into the mix when he when he comes back, but uh, it's uh, that that's tough missing a game like this. It's just missing a game like this, maybe missing the the Villanova game or whatever. 
Um, doesn't sound like it, it's much, but it really could have gotten you there. And by the way, Tyler Rudolph is is not going to get a chance to play in the first half next week. Yeah. You got a targeting ejection. Uh, ejections. I'm, whatever. We're not. Even well, that's an that. excellent point, man. I, I mean, that's an excellent point because you, if if at this point you can't count on Keaton Ellis being available, if you're down Tyler Rudolph, you're playing against an Auburn team here that has the weapons that that Ball State did not have. I mean, safety depth. All of a sudden, you're circling that and saying without Rudolph for the first half. And I'll say. Keaton Ellis being out, that opened the door for Tyler Rudolph. I thought he sprinted through that door. I thought we talk about reactionary, a little bit of uh, what we said about Curtis Jacobs. When when he knows where he's going, he gets there in a hurry. He looks good doing it. I thought he was flying around a bit today. Ultimately, unfortunately, he was ejected. It, it ended his his moment there. But, uh, you know, you can understand why Anthony Poindexter pointed to him as a guy who the light came on for this August. Yeah, still waiting for some some more progress there. But, yeah, you're right. He was flying around. He flew around a little bit too hard. Yeah. Um, and now he won't get to play the first half of next <laughs> week. Um, but he was around. He was he was trying to cover over top. And I actually thought he hurt his leg um, worse than he did. Uh, I think a quarter earlier he was out there. Or maybe the, dri- the drive prior to, to uh, the targeting penalty, he got undercut by Kalen King in the receiver. And I thought bad things when he came up from that. But uh, yeah, to his credit, he was in there. Uh, he was certainly involved in some tackles here. Second leading tackler, five tackles, three solo. Again, uh, some of that, I don't hesitate to call it garbage time, but some of that was uh, was piled up in there. But five tackles, five tackles, being second on the stat sheet's not a bad thing. Um, Tyler Rudolph got some, uh, got some experience. Keaton Ellis didn't. I think ultimately what I what I would def- kind of describe Penn State as in in this game and on both sides of the ball and in a game like this it's perfect it's all you need and you're going to get a 44 to 13 result they played soundly and again I don't think that you know the jury was out about this Penn State team and how they would play and I, I don't think soundly was a way we would have uh, a term we would have applied to any of the nine matchups we saw last year even the four that they won this is different, and you're seeing tangible signs of progress. We spent an entire offseason talking about the potential for it. Now two very different games into this season with another big test ahead, a top 25 Auburn team coming to town and a huge national showcase game. That's a different test, but you're two for two now. And again, sound football today, and, and sound football is never going to keep you, uh, you know, keep you awake at night if you're a coach. Well, what, what, what did they do poorly last week it was setting themselves up for, for third and longs. And today, um, you know, still a couple here and there, but they were third and 5.7 instead of third, third and eight. It doesn't seem like much, but it's quite a bit. Mm-hmm. They just, they had five uh, third and shorts. They converted six of 13 uh, overall third downs. And that's up from three of 13 last week. So there's progress there. And the reason the progress is there is because they were more efficient in several aspects of the game, getting them to those third and shorts. Penn State wins 44 to 13 over Ball State again, improving to 2 and 0, going back to last November now, six consecutive wins for this Nittany Lions squad. And I think they're going to be in the top 10 all of a sudden. I mean, it's happened fast, the rebound for this team. You're looking at a top 10 scenario, it just, it's really impressive because I'm watching the scoreboard here, and Franklin alluded to this. He said, You know, I looked at the scoreboard when our game was over, and there were a lot of teams in some really difficult matchups and against you know some surprising results and and you and I were following the scores all day. You had 
you know, teams that that had no right being in the game, you thought that it was a nail biter into the fourth quarter. You had you upsets across. You can say Colorado's name. That's fine. Yeah, your Buffalo, your Buffaloes, you know, really t- took it to Texas A&M. They lost by three. Um, we saw Ohio State lose, of course, and that was a game where Oregon led for much of the way. And even Cincinnati, who, who a lot of people are very high on number seven right now in the AP poll, they were tied with Murray State at halftime. Notre Dame needed a comeback to beat Toledo late in that matchup. And, of course, the number nine team in the country, Iowa State, loses to the number 10 team in the country, Iowa. So, again, the door is open right now. I'd be surprised if Penn State isn't inside the top 10. I guess you could see Oregon leap a little bit further out of that number 12 spot. But all things considered, in what, a 10-month span, maybe a little bit less, going from 0-5 to top 10 nationally uh, with the whiteout and ESPN game day back on home turf. I mean, what more can you ask for? What more can you ask for right now? ESPN coming in certainly doesn't uh, hurt. Um, I do think they'll get jumped by Oregon, but that doesn't matter right now. Oregon, a very impressive win at the horseshoe. So you got to, I mean, if if you're, yeah, I think Penn State fans will be happy to sacrifice a spot in the polls because Oregon did beat uh, Ohio State. But uh, yeah, Penn State playing. I, suffice to say, I, I don't. I don't know that they're playing like a bona fide top ten team, but they're playing right. better than every other team in the top ten. Is the, <laughs> apparently that's that's how that one was going. Uh, or not every other team in the top ten, but every other team that keeps falling out of the top ten, doing what they had to do. And I feel like this podcast, as we, as we try and wrap up here has been very boring because this this game was not really boring but you know just kind of it, it was it was easy you know yeah it, it, it's it's tough to tough to put a long time sean since we had stress, okay not easy stress-free like you weren't you weren't stressing i mean especially when penn state came out of the gates as they did you weren't stressing it as i said there's there's some nitpicking to be done especially in the second half on on the offensive side of the ball um, but you just, it was a stress-free game for everybody. I'm sure everybody that was in that stadium was happy to be back and then happy to, to see the, the performance that they had. Um, so yeah, stress-free Saturdays that, you know, you don't get too many of them in the fall. And especially after you, you had the heart palpitations last weekend for Wisconsin, probably feel, probably resting a little bit easier this evening. I would probably say this was the team's most comfortable win since maybe the homecoming matchup against Purdue in October of 2019. They won 35 to seven because last year, even the Illinois game, the last game where they ended up winning by 40, they gave up what 28 points to Illinois in the first 20 minutes of the game and they couldn't stop them at all. So that was a frantic matchup. So yeah, this may be one of the more boring episodes, but I think people will take it. They'll take the two and a start. They'll take a convincing win. Um, And there was just a lot of tension, not between, us but just talking about Penn State football last year after these games coming on the podcast you can feel the tension dissipating not just here but when you're talking to Franklin you're talking to the players now you're seeing them interact with the fans they're getting back on solid footing and they're in a really good spot right now with Auburn coming to town we're going to get back to you with four episodes again for week three uh, we had four for you this, here in week two. We'll get started on Monday. We'll take a, a closer look at what happened here on Saturday night. We'll come back with some leftovers from this post-game podcast. We plan to have an Auburn analyst on Monday as well to break down that upcoming matchup. We'll get an early start looking ahead to a huge game on Saturday. And then, of course, we'll keep you up to date as the week progresses with coverage on the Nittany Lions. Sean, great work today, man. Do you have anything else to add to the to this episode of the podcast? Nope, I'm going to go have me a stress-free beer, and I think I'm going to go to bed. (laughs) 
Sounds good, man. Well, thanks to our producer, Lance Glenn. Thanks to all of our listeners, wherever you are listening from. And if you're watching, thanks for that. If you're not and you'd like to, check it out at YouTube. Just the channel is simply Lines 24-7. That's enough talking. That's enough writing for today. We'll talk to you all soon. This is the Lions 24-7 podcast. On May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie <laughs> dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus.